Welcome to It Pays to Fear God. My name is Ewerwanomarin, and in this channel, we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and their kingdom purpose, which are the three most fundamental subjects we need to understand in order to obtain salvation. According to John chapter 17, verse 3, where Jesus Christ said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And in saying that, the subject for today is captioned, God's principle number one, your heart or your money. So in case you're wondering what, I, what do I mean by God's principles, essentially we're doing a series right now, and obviously this is the first video, where we are going to be breaking down God's principles. Now in summary, God's principles are God's nature, his mindset, his way of thinking. You know, principles are what people usually live by. For example, if you're a man of integrity, people will know you for sticking to certain principles that you have established in your life. So there are many things we find in the Bible that govern God's life. They appear in who God calls righteous, who God calls wicked. They appear in his commandments and laws to mankind and so on. And of course, the one we're going to be learning about today is no exception. So it's going to be about your heart or your money, which should we give to God. But before I dive deeper, I'm just going to ask you a question that you can answer in the comment section below. Now, as I always say in this channel, the reason why I ask these questions is so that we can engage spiritual discussions in the comment section below that are not usually addressed in mainstream Christianity. And the question for today is, the Bible makes us to know that the leaders who rule this world don't just come into power ordinarily. The spirits kind of have a hand in it, according to Proverbs chapter 18, verses 15 and 16. And for such reasons, St. Paul advises to obey them in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Now, if that's correct, why does the Bible also say that we should trust in them? According to Psalms chapter 146, and verses 3 and 4, and Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. They sound a bit contradictory, right? So I want you to explain why they're not in the comments section below. And of course, we might make other videos in the future that will might break that down and help you understand what those two sides really mean. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell because we make weekly subjects, and I wouldn't want to think that you'd want to miss any of them. Anyway, let's get back into that subject. God's principle number one, your heart or your money. So I'm going to begin with a quick description of what the heart is, because that's kind of what you need to understand for everything else I'm going to say in this video to make any sense. So the heart is essentially a force within us. It's like a spiritual thing, and it drives us to make certain decisions. It makes us live a certain kind of life. It usually guides you to marry a certain person. It also guides whether you're politically left or right. It guides the kind of job you're going to have. It guides the, the kind of family you want to raise and other important decisions that many humans make. The heart plays a big role in that. So it almost defines who we are because it controls us. And we should understand that the spirits do have the ability to control people's hearts. For example, Satan 
controlled the heart of Judas in Luke chapter 22 and verses 2 and 3 to betray Jesus Christ. And that was why Jesus Christ said in John chapter 6 and verses 70 and 71 that, Have I not chosen you twelve, but one of you is a devil? It wasn't saying that Judas came from heaven. No, it was the fact that a devil was working inside his heart. And that was why he betrayed the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So what I'm trying to say is that the heart is a force within us that drives us to live a certain kind of life. Now, there are two forces that want that heart, and they compete for it, the world and God Almighty. Now, many people give their hearts to the world because ultimately, when we do so, living life here is kind of easy. According to John chapter 15, verse 19, where Jesus Christ explained that when we're of the world, we belong. So, people will love us more, we're kind of everybody's person, but when we are not of the world, we begin to experience certain difficulties. And in that John chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus Christ said, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. See also First John chapter 4, and verses 4 and 5, and even James chapter 4, verse 4. And it was for such reasons that John the Apostle told us in First John chapter 2, from verses 15 to 17, to not love the world. But... In fact, if you also look at Revelation chapter 13 and verses 3 and 4, it also describes how in our time specifically, people would now be looking out for physical, worldly things, and they would be like, who can overcome this? Who can defeat this? The way people honor space exploration and worldly entertainment and so on, sports, it's like, that's the ultimate. There's nothing that's going to overtake that in this world. But when we decide to separate ourselves from all of that and live a holy life, when we decide to give our hearts to God instead, then we will not fit anymore because all of that is not going to be very interesting to us. And if you look at the left of the disciples, Jesus Christ himself, prophets lived, you can see that it resembles that because such ones gave their hearts to God and not to the world around them. But God Almighty also wants our hearts. One, he's our creator, according to Job chapter 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. So God Almighty has created us, and as a result, he wants us to show gratitude for that by giving our hearts to him. And we should understand that this is a principle because we find it all over the Bible. There are a lot of texts on your screen right now that show you that it this idea of giving God service, giving God devotion, true dedication, you find it all over Deuteronomy. And in Exodus chapter 20 and verses 3, 5, and 6, he told them about how he wanted their hearts. And there he said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, from verses 7 to 10, he even said that he would show love and mercy to the thousandth generation. And what do these things mean? It means that when we give God our hearts, he will never forget us, according to Hebrews chapter 6. 10. And David understood this, which is why when he was like passing on the kingship to King Solomon, that was one of his main pieces of advice in First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. 
For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou wilt seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. The Bible makes us know that the heart is what God wants. If you read for Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, and Psalm chapter 44, verse 21, and Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, those places help us to know that it is the heart that God looks at. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 4, verse 24, that God is a spirit. So you wouldn't expect that he would be looking at our physical service that we do with our hands and our mouth and so on. No, he wants the heart. He, and when we give the heart to him, it's as if we're giving ourselves. We're giving ourselves as an offering. That was what St. Paul was speaking about in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, by saying that we should give ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. St. Peter had referred to the same concept in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, where he said, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And Christians, even though the Bible makes us to know that God wants the heart, not just our physical service, they think that we, if we just give God money and we dedicate Sunday to clapping and singing and so on, God will be happy with that because it's like, I mean, we're worshiping him, we're praising him, we're honoring him. And if you read Psalm chapter 95, David said that we should be praising God and all that. So why isn't that sufficient? Well, if you look at Luke chapter 21 from verses 1 to 4, there were rich people giving gifts of big material value, expensive stuff that people like the Pharisees would be very happy about because they would see this as very big devotion and dedication to God. But then there was this, this widow who cast in two mites, or essentially a penny, and that was all the living that she had. And Jesus Christ said that this widow had given more than all the other rich men because, one, she had more value for what she'd given, and two, she was giving herself. Those rich people, they were just giving an extension of themselves, a part of themselves. It wasn't really their entire being, but the widow was giving her entire self. Now, does this mean that we should be giving all our money to God? It's not really the point. It's just that we should make sure that it's us we're giving to God, not our money or maybe one day of Sunday service. No, it's so that our entire lives become about God, about worshiping God. And if you look at people like David, you can see that there was nothing else in his life. He dedicated his life to fighting the battles of the Lord making sure that the kingdom of Israel was eventually established with its capital in Jerusalem and everything worked as God wanted it. Joshua did the same thing, except this time with David, the kingdom of Israel at the time was now established. He could have spent his time remaining a shepherd as he was in for Samuel chapter 16 before becoming king, or he could have generally done something else with his life. He could have went on and just submitted and surrendered to King Saul from 1 Samuel chapters 18 to 31, but no, instead he dedicated his life to doing God's will. And it didn't just end there. He also went on to prepare materials to build the temple of the Lord, according to 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 17. Why did he do that? Because his treasures, what he invested in, was in God. And this may remind us of what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
He was saying that what we invest in, what we put our time, our efforts, our money, and so on, our hearts will also be there. And of course, with David, we can see that because he was putting all this time in fighting the battles of God and generally doing things that would please God, then his heart was also there. So if we want to do the same, then we should invest in coming to know more about God and his purpose and invest in spreading that out to the world. And that was what Jesus Christ was talking about in Matthew chapter 6 from verses 19 to 21 about laying up your treasures in heaven instead of just laying them on earth, which is about generally your whole life being about achieving things in this world, generally creating businesses and everything in between. It's important we understand the fact that God wants our hearts. He doesn't just want an extension of us, our service. The story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4, it's another way of understanding this. God preferred Abel's offering because he wanted to show respect to God. His heart was actually in the sacrifice, the offering that he was giving compared to Cain's worthless crops that he was giving. Cain just wanted to give what he didn't miss. And frankly, that is human nature. Humans would rather give what they don't miss than what they do. But that's the thing. God wants what we want. We want to keep things to ourselves, you know, to enjoy ourselves. But God also wants that. People want to give their hearts to the world because, you know, they can achieve a lot of stuff in it. But God also wants that part. God wants what we want. God wants what we might miss. So therefore, it is only those who can give their hearts to God instead of giving it to people, giving it to this world, that are in God's fold. And of course, in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 20, Isaiah the prophet prophesied that the people who were going to be like sacrifices to God in a spiritual sense were going to be those who gave their hearts to God. And they shall bring all your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all nations upon horses and in chariots and in litters and upon mules and upon swift beasts to my holy mountain Jerusalem, said the Lord. As the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. So, let's say we do want to give our hearts to God after hearing this. But then how do we exactly do that? Well, first of all, if we're coming from a situation where we're of the world and we don't really understand what the Bible is, we have to make sure that our hearts are ready to serve God. We shouldn't be coming to worship God when our hearts are still with the world and we're all about what the world is doing. We have to do what James said, purify our hearts, according to James chapter 4, verse 8. Any kind of worldliness that we have, be it envy or hatred or strife or anything else St. Paul mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, from verses 19 to 21, we have to use the word of God to sort of act as what I called a bomb in my sermon, biblical bomb for spiritual ailments. We have to use those to cleanse our hearts of everything that the world might have done to us so that we can readily give that to God. And once we have given our hearts to God by dedicating our entire lives to God, making sure that everything that we are that is in our lives is ultimately geared towards moving God's purpose forward. Once we've done so, we have to maintain that, keep our hearts in that position. King Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You don't want to keep your heart in a nice position or state because you're giving that to God. You want to remain with God and be dedicated to Him. 
I'm just going to conclude with what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, because it's a great way of generally summarizing what we need to do in order to really dedicate ourselves to God. The author of Hebrews said there, Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And that, my friends, is where I'm going to stop on discussing the subject. God's principle number one, your heart or your money. I hope that you have enjoyed this video and have come to understand how giving our hearts to God instead of just our money or a day where we clap and sing to Him is one of His principles because it's something that governs everything He does. We can see that it's in His commandments, it's in how He praises people, how He rewards people, and so on and so forth. It governs everything that He does. Now, I want you to know that with all the principles that we are going to discuss in this series, God doesn't change from any of them. According to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, and I change not. See also Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. So we should expect that everything that we see in the Bible that was thousands of years ago, it applies in the same way even to this day. I hope that you stick with us so that you can learn more about what God's principles are and different types that he has and how they actually play out in our time. And also, check out one of my previous videos, God Loves a Cheerful Giver, because it's very similar to this one that I've just discussed, and you might understand a different aspect of the same subject. Anyway, have a good day, and God bless you. Oh, one more thing. If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.